Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hey, I've got this, I've got this stuff, like, you know, you go to a place and, um, and I've got this kind of cool list of sermons, my, my top ten, you know, and I was going, I was thinking, okay, Lord, what do I do? And he said, none of it. And he gave me this brand new word. Um, it kind of came just all in one go, and um, so I'm just going to throw that out for you guys, but just know that it's specifically for you. It's specifically for you guys, all right? And, and basically, I'm going to teach you about the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. Um, so let's, let's, get, let's, get, let's get going. The, the book of Philippians is a really interesting book. I've... I've um, as I kind of looked, looked it up, I read some stuff and I thought, man, there's something about that verse that really gets me. And it was a strange verse. It was about two women who were having a fight. Right? In Philippians 4, it starts with this Paul saying, I wish these two ladies could just kind of resolve their issue. And then he asked someone else to help them resolve the issue. And I thought, this stuck out to me. And it said, God said, you need, this is, you need to talk to these guys about these two ladies. Well, as I looked through the whole book, I realized, actually, there's something about this church that is so right for Christchurch Equipers right now, right? And so, so a little bit of context. Paul, Paul, uh, Paul started the Philippian church, right? He started a number of churches. On a second journey, he started this Philippian church. And then eventually, after he'd made three journeys, he ended up in prison in Rome. While he's in Rome, he starts writing to all these churches that he, that he had planted, Right? One of them was the Ephesians church, one of them was the Colossians church, one of them was Philemon, right? And then the last letter he wrote was to the Philippians while he was in prison. This is near the end of his life, you realize. So this is a big deal to him. When he wrote to the Ephesians and the Colossians, he wrote to them because out of crisis, because he had heard the stuff that was going on, and he said, oh, no, I'm going to have to sort them out, so I write them a letter. Right? Then he heard another crisis, oh, I'm going to have to sort those guys out, I'm going to have to write them a letter. Then he wrote to Philemon, same deal. Oh, man, there's stuff going on. I need to write to him and sort them out. When it came to the Philippians, he thought, man, you know what church is not freaking out right now? The Philippians. <laughs> in fact, a guy showed up in prison with money for him from the Philippian church. The other ones are all in crisis, but his, his joyous, beautiful Philippian church sent support and money to him. That reason, for that reason, he then said, I'm going to write them a letter. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful, right? And, I, and you can see the joy in his heart. When he writes to this, he says, look, right at the start in Philippians 1, 4 to 5, he says, whenever I pray, in fact, if you've got those, yeah, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. You've got to realize that Paul spent his whole life planting churches. His whole life, actually, you know, what it, you know what it was not? It wasn't about planting churches. It was about spreading the gospel. I think we need to be careful in Equipus Church that we don't build Equipus Church, but we spread the gospel. Building the church is, is, is awesome, but we don't give a... We don't give a hoot about... The name Equipus Church. We give a hoot about spreading the name of Jesus. 
because Jesus has got life and the gospel is the, is the one that's got the life. It's Jesus is the name that's got all the power. It's Jesus is the one that, that healed cancer. It's Jesus this morning that healed this broken back that we heard about this morning. You know, this is not in another, this is Nicole said, this is in your house. It's not in another house. It's not in a church and a revival in America. You're seeing broken bones healed here. I heard a story last night, broken toe, completely healed right here in Christchurch Equipus. You're hearing what I'm saying? That means there's real life here. And if we're not careful, we can go, yay, Equipus. Actually, it's not about yay, Equipus. It's about yay, Jesus. So when Paul, right? So when Paul wrote to the, the, the Philippians, he was going, man, you Philippians, you Philippians, you're awesome. It's really awesome because you've become my partners in spreading the life of Christ. Paul is building the church, but actually he's joyous about spreading the gospel. It, it went on. It says, Philippians 1, 15 to 18 says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Now, this is interesting. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. This is an interesting problem. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others who have pure motives, they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make more change, more painful. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. Isn't that awesome? We freak out about human nature, about what's going on with, oh, no, well, they can't do it, and they can't, and the motives and all that, all that sort of stuff. But in the end, the gospel is being preached. Isn't it amazing <laughs> that the power of the gospel is greater than man to screw it up? The power of the gospel is greater than man to screw it up. And we get so worried about it. He was saying, uh-uh. Paul from prison we see, what we see is the joy of the gospel being preached. The life of the gospel is so strong, it's powerful despite the wrong or right motives of man who is preaching. Man, Paul. It, it was such a passion of his that he would write, and this is the book that we write, that we hear the famous verse, uh, Philippians 1.21, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, that's, that's somebody that's really given his life for the work. Yeah. <laughs> if we were to ask the same of you, <laughs> awkward. If we were to ask the same of every one of us, okay, I'll put myself in that circle. If every one of us is to live Christ and is to die gain, good answer. You don't have to all answer out loud. It's a challenge to say, hey, is your life all about the spreading of the gospel? Because whether you know it or not, it should be. When you gave your life to Jesus, you gave your will to him. So my will should be to, to please God and do his will. And when you do that, he, the bonus you get. The life you get while you're doing a career, while you're making money, while you're, while you're building a family, while you're doing all this stuff. While all that stuff is all good, but your overall will is to spread the gospel, is to spread Jesus. Because why? Because he's the only one that can give life. All of that stuff is meaningless unless you have him at the center. 
That's got to be the center of everything we do here at Christchurch Equippers. Everything we do has got to be about the building of Jesus inside of people. Like the church will grow, and, and sure, the, you know, the, the franchise, if you like it, the, the equippers, the, the, the network is great because we need one another. And it's good to have resource, and it's good to have unity, and it's good to have an organization. It's good to have leadership. It's good to have vision. It's good to have communication. It's good to have all those things. But without the, without the product, which is life, it's all just, what are we selling? You know, we're just building a name if we don't have the product. And the product is that life, absolute life. For me to live is Christ. But to die is even better because I get to go and be with him. So you can see Paul at the end of his life now saying, okay, it's a bit of a hassle if I have to stay around because I'd rather go be with him. But because of what I've seen in you guys, I have a feeling I'm going to be around a little longer. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Paul has given his life for and his passion and um, and his desire to see the gospel preached in the church of Jesus built. Okay, verse 25 says, Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. That's that's gotta be our motive. When whenever you're serving in church, like you're building a church. You're, you're, you're part of what's going on. And when you give your life to it, what you're doing is what they were doing. The joy. You are experiencing the joy of your faith. Every time you make a cup of coffee for somebody out there, every time you put the signs out, these guys come and set up the gear, all of that stuff that you do, you run that e-group. You, you, you help with scones. You, you make something, you serve somebody. All of that is helping people experience the joy of faith. You're all building towards that point, not just building a building, not just building a group of people. That way it doesn't rely on people. All right. Above all, he says in verse 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Isn't that a better reason to stand together in unity? Not, not necessarily for the name, but for the purpose. Man, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. There's all kinds of stuff. I'm, I'm going to get straight to the point. I think this church has been through some crap. You're, you know, it's not... It's pretty obvious you've been through some stuff. But the, it's, uh, you're not the only church that's been through some stuff. Hey, there's churches all around the world that are constantly going through crap. And the only difference is the response. What's your response going to be? Is it to fall apart or is it to stand together in unity and purpose? Because you can turn this thing around. Man, the, uh, the whole thing of God is, is he says, you can, we can boast in our weakness because the grace of God, the strength of God is shown in weakness. We can turn this thing around. God says, I can use what the devil wanted for evil and turn it around for good. You know, God is the, aw- the most awesome improviser ever. That dude, that dude can take like the, the twists and turns and, and work them so well, improvise so well that it looks like he planned it. 
That's why people say, oh, God, God orchestrated this bad thing to happen in my life. No, he didn't. He didn't orchestrate bad things to happen. He allows them to happen. He says, hey, I can use that. I can use that. I can use it. I can twist it. I can do it. He can make it look so good. He can make it work out so good that it looked like he planned it, but he didn't even. <laughs> what, is it? what can he do with this situation? What can he do with your life if you will give yourself to the building of the church, if you will give yourself to the spreading of the gospel? But there's a responsibility in this verse because it says that, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Uh, Man, that's a hard challenge. Am I conducting myself in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ? Does it look like I wake up every morning and say, man, the good news of the living gospel of Jesus is inside me. And, I feel, and it shows in everything I do. It shows in the way that I interact with people. It shows in the way that I serve. It shows in the way that I give myself away. It shows in the way how I treat my neighbors. It shows in the way how I treat my family. It shows in the way how I treat my, my workers and, and, and how I, how I, what I do with my money. What I do with my time. What I do with my strongest desires. What are you lusting after? What are you coveting after? Is that a manner worthy of the good news about Christ? Ooh, stuff got real good right then, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, before then you were like, mm, <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Because, hey, once we sort that stuff out, once we go, that's right. I'm, I'm taking Jesus. I'm taking the living gospel. I'm applying that to my life, and I'm now a new creation. I need to wake up every day and be thankful for that, be thankful for it, start thanking God for it, live like it, and then, hello, when we come together, surprise, surprise, we're all together in one purpose and one unity. That's what he's saying. He says, then whether I come and see you or I only hear about you, I know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Man, his goal for the church is to stay focused, is to stay in unity, and to let the gospel show through their lives. <clears throat> All right, Psalms chapter 2 says, Don't be, no, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Uh, verse 3 Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. All of this stuff is like to his church that has sent him money. He already loves them. He already thinks they're awesome. He goes, man, my joy when I, when I pray for you. I just have joy because I love you guys. I feel God's delight in you guys. I feel God's joy when I think about you guys. I feel his heart. I, feel, I see people standing up here and serving. I go out the foyer. I, I, I feel it. I see the spirit around this whole thing. I see Pastor Tigo and, and just this is spirit and everything about it feels like, man, what a joy you guys are to Jesus. Let's soak that up for a second. What a joy you are. That's the. <laughs> when you realize that and think, man, what, yeah, what are we doing? Why are we messing around with this? We've got a joyous church here that brings joy to the heart of God. If we can unite now and say, yeah, actually, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Let's, let's thank him for the goodness, that's the, for the good stuff that he's doing in our world, for the good stuff that he's doing in our lives. So we, that's Because that's what's going to bind us together. Get rid of all that other stuff. 
We don't need to, we don't need to impress anybody. We don't need to be selfish. Get rid of all that stuff. That's the stuff that destroys churches. <laughs> yeah, okay. On the side, there's this, other, there's this other little verse in James that always scares me when I read it because where there is, it says, where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is, e- there is disorder and every other kind of evil. <laughs> like every other kind. Because if you think about it, all the other kinds of evil come out of the fact that I want something and I'm going to get it no matter what it costs. That's why he says, yeah, you don't need to be selfish. Get rid of the selfishness, and then you'll find yourself coming together in unity. Awesome, mate. All right, uh, where are we up to? Verse, um, uh, verse 5 says, oh, no, yeah, verse 5 is, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> what did he do? He, he gave away his, his seat in heaven and came down to here and looked at the cross and endured the cross. Why? For the joy set before him. Though he was equal with the angels, he gave it all away. So could go. That's our attitude, he says. If you're going to do that, and he said, this is to the, to the church that I love. I know you guys are awesome, but hey, throw away that stuff. Have the same attitude as Jesus. Give it all away. Give it all away for the joy set before you. Um, the only thing that can destroy the building of the church is people. How about this little, 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 little gem? You can't build the body of Christ corporately without building Christ into individuals. You can't build the body of Christ corporately, right? As you're trying to build, you can't build that as one whole without building Christ into the individual. He's got to get in you individually. You, when you, when, you ta- when you start taking on this attitude, actually, Jesus, I have to be like you. I want to give myself away. I want to be willing to be humble and to come under. I want to be willing to be able to, to, to come against what, what, what the devil has tried to do and pull things apart. You want to come against that in the opposite spirit. You, you, we, we don't operate in the same spirit as he does. We come against him in the opposite spirit. And the opposite spirit says, no, I'm going to give away. I'm going to be humble. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to scratch for my little piece of dirt, my little empire. My, my little, look, we've been in so many churches where people build empires within them. It's my little space of power. I can, no, I'm the leader of the C group. No, I, I run the sound. No, I run the, I run this. No, I'm the main drummer here. Right? Yeah, we don't build empires. We're building the kingdom. And in the kingdom, we give that away and say, no, I'm not using this to build my self-esteem. I don't need to be in leadership to build my esteem. My identity is in Christ. So I give that away and say, no, you do it. You be the leader and I'll help you. Man, can you imagine what God can do with a bunch of individuals that are willing to do that, to have the same attitude as Christ? Okay, so then you, 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 you see him go on and still in chapter 2, verse 12. Dear friends... You always followed my instructions when I was with you. So now that I'm away, it's even more important. (laughs) Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. All you have to do is get close to him and all this stuff will come naturally. (laughs) If you're worried, all right, some of you may be thinking, well, I'm trying to do all that, but it's so hard. Just get really close to him. Stay in worship with him. Stay in intimacy with him. Read my book. 
<laughs> right? You're really close to him. Be transparent with him. Be vulnerable to him. Be open to him. And he will give you the desires that are right. He will give you the power to, to do it all. It goes on, right? Um, I really love this. Uh, you know what he says? The thing that gets me about this is the apostle says to the guys, hey, when I was with you, you, you followed the instructions. Now it's even more important. In other words, you take ownership. It wasn't the apostle saying, okay, well, wait till I get back there. Hey, he was saying, okay, it's even more important to do what I said. You guys need to grow up now. Got the parents away from home. You know, so, okay, guys, come on. You need to take care of the house now. I know we're not there. I'm not there to tell you to make your bed. So you, you need to just, it's even more important now that you do what I told you, what I told you when we were with you. But now that we're away, you guys need to take care of the house. Can I trust you with that? Jesus, can I trust you with that, guys? <laughs> this, is, this is a word for you guys, all right, man. All right, so then, he's, then, then he does this, this cool thing. He starts, he starts pointing out a few individuals. Some of the characters of, um, of the Philippian church. Timothy was one. About Timothy, he said, but you know how Timothy has proved himself, this is verse 22 in chapter 2, like a son with his father, he has served me, served with me in preaching the good news. Man, the, the church is all about fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. Are you a son of the house? Are you a daughter of the house? It goes on, verse 25, verse 26. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He was the one that came with the money. Epaphroditus, a great character in the church. It says of him, he is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. Are you a true brother? Are you a co-worker? Are you a fellow soldier in this church? If we were to look at you and we would pick your name out of a hat, well, we'd say, yeah, that guy, he's a fellow soldier. He's a co-worker. She's a true sister. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he's been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. Man. It goes on, 29. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death. He was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Are you one of the honorable ones? The ones that have given their lives to the work of Christ. The ones like that who are willing to be at the point of death because you've given your whole life to the work of Christ. Because guys like that deserve honor. And I love it when you go to a church and you see someone giving their lives fully. When I, I'm so proud of these guys that moved down here from, from Auckland, ones that we've poured our lives into, and now they're pouring their lives into a house. When Nicole, you stood up here, and you're just doing, you're just being magic up here. And I'm just like in love with you, thinking, this girl, yeah. this couple poured their lives into it. You know, what will happen is in a lot of places, someone will come and they'll, and they'll, and they'll, they'll pour their lives into something, and pe- there's always some haters. Hey, there's always haters that stand Who do they think they are? There's somebody that's pouring their lives out for the sake of the gospel. And we need to honor, not pull them down. 
Come on. Watch it. <laughs> right, so we've got Timothy the son. We've got Epaphroditus, the fellow soldier, the co-worker. We've got the, we got, we got the one that got sick, who then was an honorable one that was given their lives for the work. But then he goes on in chapter 3, verse 2, says, Watch out for those dogs. Those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. In every church, there are always the religious ones. (laughs) Are you a religious one? Right? There are those that are doing the work. There are those that have found the freedom in Christ. There are those that have love, and it's proven by the love that they show for others. There's no legalism in that. There's, no, there's not, none of those guys. When you see this stuff, you think, of course I'm not one of those guys. But are you really? When you look at, when you look at what some people are doing, are you the one standing about, well, I don't know about that because my Bible says... Yeah, oh, man, there is a lot. There is a lot of religiosity that we have. We we say it's the Bible, but actually, it's just what we did at our old church. Well, no, I don't know. In the past, I don't know about that stuff. Man, this new stuff. You know, it's 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 never. Whenever there's a new revival or a new work going, it's always the people that were in the middle of the last work and the last revival that complain about it. <laughs> so it wasn't the people that were in the last revival that complained about it. And when you were in the middle of your last revival, it was the people of the revival before that that was complaining about it. You've got to be aware of that and say, no, nah, no, nah, I, I can't, I, I'm not going to do that. It's like, it's like when, parents, when your parents complained about the music that you listened to. And then you had kids. And then you start complaining about the music that your kids are listening to. Don't be, I mean, wake up and look in the mirror. Don't be that guy. Don't be the old one. Don't be the religious one. All right, so he goes on and answers that, and he talks about himself then saying, hey, I could be like that too, because in fact, I'm more qualified than any of you. And in verse 7 of chapter 3, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You know, it's not just the religious ones. What he's looking back on is also his experience. Are you a religious one, but are you also an experienced one? Man, I've had lots of church experience, therefore I know best. I know better what's going on. I don't really have to be fully involved in it because I've been in church before and I've seen what it's done. And I'm I'm being careful. I'm being cautious. I'm not getting too involved with this because I know how church goes. We need to be careful about that. Are you a son? Are you a soldier? Are you a fellow worker? Or are you a religious one? Or are you an experienced one? <laughs> I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Man, this, this verse gets me. This is verse 14. I press on to reach the end of the race. He's throwing all that stuff away as garbage, and I receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. It's not going to happen without some commitment. I press on. 
It's not going to happen without some struggle. It's not going to happen without some wrestle. You're going to have to navigate some stuff. Man, you know, we, we have this saying in, in our school, give God a year. Give God a year. And some people are like, oh, I don't know if I can leave my job for a year. I don't know. And then maybe they do. They take a big faith risk and they come to school for a year and then they come out of it and then they decide what they're going to do. And they think, yeah, I've, great, I've given my service to Jesus. <laughs> you know, at 18 years old, we left school and went into full-time ministry and have never left. Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, I say, I, I say, Jesus, we just gave our all. It's not, it wasn't just like give God one year. We, at, at first, I thought it was going to be a year. But it just led to the rest of our lives. <laughs> because, and, and a lot of people look, a lot of people actually come up to us and say, man, I wish I had your life. Because we get to travel and we get to see nations and we get to see Italy and we get to see Rome and we get to see Switzerland and that kind of stuff. And so people think, yeah, well, well I wish I had your life. All you have to do is play music and travel. <laughs> what they don't see is the, is the price we've had to pay. We poured our hearts out. We poured our lives out as much as we could. We've tried to pour it into people. We've tried to pour it into God. But man, we've had to struggle. We've had to be on this. Man, I had this picture once of, of another. There's another a girl that we were we were working with who who always wanted this international ministry. And I just, I knew that it was a dream. She had a dream of being on an international platform. She's only young. And I believe it was right. And so when I went to pray for her, as soon as I hear, especially a worship leader that says, I know I'm called for an international worship ministry, something in me says, you know, you want it too much. Right? And we need to sort that attitude, the motive out. But actually, God said, no, actually, you are meant to be, to be for one. So I told her that. I said, I see this picture of you on an international platform. You've actually got one. But you're on your knees. And you are contemplating the price it took for you to get there. And you were wondering, was it worth it? Hey, tough call, hey. Was it really worth it? Because we, we want that. We want to be that we all want to be like Jesus. But are we willing to do what Jesus did? Who's heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Right, okay, the older ones, yeah, all the readers, good on you. Right, Smith Wigglesworth was like a modern-day apostle. He, he was the guy that doing the, the miracles and uh, some crazy stories of the miracles and stuff that he had done. And I remember reading all that stuff, thinking, so it is possible today to be like that, to walk onto a bus and somebody comes up to him and says, sir, your presence convicts me of my sin. <laughs> right, and falls on his knees and repents. I'm, I'm like, he's standing there. Right? Because <laughs> he's the guy that would punch people in the stomach to deliver them. <laughs> heard one story of heard one story where and he brought some people brought an old lady up. Like they had to lift they had to, with a walker. They had to lift her on and help her up, right? So she's there. And then he prays and says, Let her go. They go, if we let her go, she's gonna fall to the floor. He says, Let her go. It's an old lady, it's your mum, you know, and she she they let her go, she falls to the floor. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, right. And so they, they pick her up again. And he says, let her go. <laughs> They're a little like going, dude, if we let her go, she's going to, if this was your grandmother, would you do that? All right. And so, no, they let her go again. She dropped to the floor. She fell to the floor. This poor little lady. <laughs> they pick her up. He says, 
let her go. By now, people are booing him. And the audience, and the congregation, they go, no, no boo, you know, no, what are you doing? They let her go. She drops to the floor again. This time they pick her up, and there's a cancerous tumor lying on the stage. 100% healed. Healed of cancer, and this tumor's lying on the stage. That's freaky, right? That's some, that's some pretty freaky stuff. Uh, another kid, it was a newborn baby that was prim. Uh, it was in hospital, it was about to die, right? They'd, they'd, have a, they'd had a crack at it, they'd had a go, they tried their best to save it, but they couldn't do anything, so it was sentenced to death, it was, it was going to die. Parents had to kidnap the kid to get him out of the hospital, right? Because they wouldn't let him, they, no, so they, they, had to, they had to get the kid out, brought him to this meeting. It was only a new, newborn baby, newborn baby, uh, two, two months old. Um, and so, uh, so when they brought... They, when they brought it to, oh, I can't remember him or here, I think it was a, oh, let's say him. When they brought him to Smith, he said, will you let me do what I believe the Lord is telling me to do? Well, of course, the kid is already, you know, dying. So they said, of course, we've got no other option. Our son is dying. So he takes the baby, right, gently, and throws it against the wall. <laughs> it was, Right, takes the kid, throws it against the wall. Everyone goes, <gasps> what the, what are you doing? All right, and then he goes over. The kid's like bounced off the wall and on the stage. Right, exactly. Right, and was like, what are you doing? He then goes and goes, boom, kicks it into the audience. Not even kidding. Kid, right, pick the kid up, completely healed. 100%. Lived on, lived full life, healthy life. All right? It was, it was basically dead. <laughs> you, you don't do that stuff unless God is speaking to you. All right? But the results showed. When I read stories about Smith Wigglesworth, I want to be like that. But am I willing to do what he did to get it? The dude only ever read the Bible. He never read anything else. He never watched TV. He didn't read newspapers. He wouldn't even let a newspaper into his, into his house. He only ever read the Bible. A guy went around to visit him, um, and he said he, he showed up. He, he had a newspaper under his arm. He said, what's that thing? He goes, it's a newspaper. He said, get that rubbish out of here. I won't, I won't let it in here. He came and he said, listen, I was just reading the Bible and praying. Let me read. He reads to him for half an hour. Right? <laughs> reads the Bible, reads it out loud for half an hour and said, all right, let's pray. So then he prayed for another half hour. Not even joking. And then he said, okay, it's, it's uh, lunchtime. His daughter had made a lunch. So then they went and had lunch, and then he, then, he, then he... No, sorry, actually, they had a cup of tea. Then they had a cup of tea, and then he said, right, let me read some more. Another half hour reading, another half hour praying. That was his day, right? Then they had lunch, and then, then he, uh, uh, he went away. He came back the next day. Would come back day after day after day, and that's all he did. Read the Bible, pray. And we'd get up at 4.30 in the morning to do it. Hours and hours and hours of reading and praying, reading and praying, and just fellowshipping with God. We want to be the God that does the miracles, that has the power, that has the discernment, but are we willing to do the work? We complain when we have a fast. Hey, Daniel, fast. And we think of everything we can do to not have to fast food. <laughs> hey, we, we do everything we I'm going to fast Facebook. I'm going to fast Netflix. I'm going to fast my phone. You know, anything but food. 
All right, but and when it does come to food, well, can I eat this? Can I eat that? 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 Anything to do to anything to stop us from being from feeling uncomfortable. Why don't we throw everything away and have a full fast of, of anything that, that enters our mind? If we want to be filled with the Spirit of God, well, come on, here's, here comes the atmosphere. Let's go. All right. Um, it's not going to happen without some commitment, without some struggle, without some wrestle, without some hardship, without some training. This, the church is not going to be built unless you decide to put some commitment into it. You, you give yourself 100%. Philippians 4, this is the verse that I started with, and it said, and I plead with Yodia, Euodia, and Syntyche. Those are the two ladies. To settle their disagreement and be restored with one mind in our Lord. I would like my dear friend and burden bearer to help resolve this issue. For both women have diligently labored with me for the prize and helped in spreading the revelation of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. And this is the line that blew me away. All of their names are written in the book of life. These two ladies, he could have easily have said, you know what, just kick them out. Because we don't know the context. When we read it, though, you see, these ladies have obviously helped him build this church. And they mean a lot to him. He's not willing. It's easy for somebody to come in from the outside and just go, right, they're a troublemaker, they're a troublemaker, they're a troublemaker. Just get rid of them. Let's kick them out of the church. But he says, no, these guys have worked and have labored. And I feel God's heart to you guys. You guys have worked and you've labored and you've remained faithful. And he's saying, and I want my dear friend, my burden bearer to help resolve the issue. If there are things going on in, in the church right now, it's time for you to unite as a church. It's time for you to unite as a church. It's not the time to tear each other down. It's not the time to go fighting each other. It's time to unite. It's time to come together and say, no, let's get our burden bearers to help mediate. Let's get our burden bearers to bring peace. Let's get our burden bearers to come and help, help there be a unity of body and unity of spirit to help resolve this issue. For both women have diligently labored with me along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, all of you guys have built this church, are building this church. And when you're faithful in building, when you come before God with the right spirit, he says all of their names are written in the book of life. I want to get to the end of this life and see my name written in the book of life because of the work that I committed myself to. For him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, and if I looked over, he says, no, we're, we're, we're right, Equipus Church, Auckland. Ah, there you are. Right there, just in the, you know, on the sideline. Maybe just make it. Yeah, maybe I'll have a little little slot in, in Christchurch, Equipus. Yeah, you know that couple of times you came down? Yeah, you got your name in there. <laughs> I had to look right in the back, but you know, you got there. Okay, just close your eyes for a second. Ask yourself, of all these people, who are you? Are you an honorable one? Have you given your life for the work of Christ? Are you a religious one? Are you one of the experienced ones? Leaning on the understanding of your experience rather than the fresh life of daily interaction with the Holy Spirit 
Are you a burden bearer? Are you a dear friend? Are you a co-worker? Have you done work here? Have you been sick? Have you been ill? Have you put up with put up with persecution? Have you been in prison for the sake of the gospel? This church has been through stuff, but but you're not the only church that has. The difference is your response. The difference is your response. I feel like Jesus is here and he's willing to put his hand on somebody, place a crown of honor on somebody if you'll stand up and give yourself to the work of Christ. To say, man, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth building into. It's It's a work worth giving your life to. Not just building this one church, but spreading the gospel, letting Jesus rule first in your hearts. And then the house will come together in unity. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 